Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. A new school year can be an exciting time, but for others, it evokes fear and worry. What are the best ways to help our learners with autism transition back to school? So I could totally relate to our little ones going back to school. I know that after I've had a couple weeks of a vacation and I've been away from work slash school and I've been doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, that first morning going back to work is really challenging. Sometimes I'll need to prepare myself the night before. I need to know like what I'm bringing. I'll pack my favorite foods for lunch that day or like I'll arrange to like come a little bit late or leave a little bit early because like I know that I need to transition back from vacation mode to work mode. And that could be really challenging. Sure, I can just imagine you bring your sunscreen with you and your blanket, (laughs) your towel, whatever (laughs) we need to do. Can you imagine? Uh, um, the new school year is difficult for a lot of us and a lot of our learners, right? Um, there's a, you know, difficult transitions, uh, that happen at school, um, new classrooms, new faces, new noises and loud noises, um, you know, intimidating, intimidating social situations, unrealistic classroom demands. There's a lot of stuff. Um, so, you know, we really want to prepare our learners the best we can for a new classroom. So how do we do that? And remember, a lot of our learners, if they're coming off of a summer break or summer vacation, a lot of families don't have the ability to, you know, entertain their kids all summer or send their kids to a structured program. So they may be coming back after having been really doing what they wanted to do. It could have been very unstructured. Parents are busy. They may not be able to entertain their kids. So we hope that's not the case, but they may have learned a couple of bad habits over the summer. Like, you know, we all eat a little too much ice cream in the summer. Um, So it's the same with our students. So how can we ease that transition while having realistic expectations, but still setting up good routines for them? Um, I think the first place to start if you're a BCBA who has students who are transitioning back to school, if you're a paraprofessional or somebody who works with students who are transitioning to school, is let's talk to the parents. 
the first step starts before school even starts. So a couple weeks before school starts, we want to encourage the parents to reach out to the school to see if they could visit the school, get the student to know the building, the classroom that they're going to be in. Um, it would be great if they could meet the teacher or multiple teachers that they're going to be interacting with in that classroom. Um, and then have them, you know, go and visit. And that could be multiple times. You could even do a little morning routine practice ending at school and doing a little practice run a couple times. And this does have to happen like before school starts. Sometimes teachers aren't available before school starts, or maybe they are available for one or two days before school starts and that's it. So I even encourage my parents to go and play in the playground at the school. So, you know, you can do that all summer. The playgrounds are typically open. So go, you know, do a drive-by of the school, walk around the school, you know, find the entrance that they're going to be going into, play at the playground and really get used to even just the school grounds if you can't get into the school. And then when once you do connect with the school and once the teachers are back, you know, really try and get into to the school ahead of time when it's quiet, when there's nothing going on, and really get a sense of, you know, where, you know, the child is going to hang their jacket, for instance, you know, where is the classroom, you know, who's the teacher, that type of thing. Take pictures, encourage the parents to take pictures of everything. Say that. <laughs> and if you can't, if the parents can't get in, at least get the pictures from teachers. Teachers have done this a million times before. Get the pictures from the teachers if you can't get in. And then what do we want to do with those pictures? You know, ideally, it's, you know, I've, I've in the past, we've created lots of social stories and printed out these elaborate books. But I mean, realistically, these days with technology, just download the pictures to your phone and, you know, have your child or encourage the parent to have their child flip through those pictures and talk about them and just look at the pictures and get a sense of where they're going to be. And something that we should encourage encourage parents to do is do like a one pager or a letter. Um, it's better if it's like more visual, less text that lets the staff um, know a little bit about that child. Um, it could have a picture of the child, something that they could use as a quick reference for what their sensory needs are, what their diet is, what their preferred reinforcers are. It's like a little bit about me, especially for kids who are much younger or for kids who are who don't have such communication skills. Um, it's really great for parents to at least give them something to take with them so that anyone in that classroom is interacting with that child can have a quick reference sheet of like, this is the most important stuff you need to know about my kid. But also like, what do they love? What's their personality? Like, what are they into? They love Play-Doh, but they really don't like the sandbox. Like, it's good for staff to know that. And I think parents should be encouraged to write that up and present that to the staff just as a way for them to know the child before school starts. If you uh, tell the parents or even you can do it, do a quick Google search of just all about me sheets. And there's a ton of free Google images out there of all about me. And, you know, you can fill one of those out. And what I like about something like that is that it tells the fun things too. It's not just about, well, you know, my kid engages in negative behavior when it should be about, hey, you know, here's Jimmy and he's such an amazing kid and he really is, you know, loves toothpaste. I don't know why he loves toothpaste, but he loves toothpaste. Um, he, you know, loves this show. He really likes this. He loves playing with this. Um, his favorite color is this and really highlight a lot of the strengths because a lot of these teachers, you know, are only reading their student record and in the student record might only be the safety plan. It might only be the learning needs of your child. So really trying to get a sense of, you know, Hey, you know, he may not be able to communicate as well, but here's what he really likes. So here's how you can interact with him. You know, it helps when you get down to his level 
and you do this. Or it really helps when you give two to three word instructions instead of a whole sentence. That type of thing is something that, you know, parents can do in a one pager. And, you know, Sheer and I really stress that one pager um, and not in like, you know, 8.5 font. It needs to be like a good, like nice 12, 14 font, really easy to read, bullet points. You know, teachers aren't, you know, they say they're going to read, you know, an eight or nine page plan because they have great intentions, but it doesn't work that way. You know, oftentimes, you know, if, you know, paraprofessionals are coming in or teachers are coming in, they're glancing at a sheet. So something that's really easy to read that stands out and they can just get the information pretty quickly is what you want. And here's why it's so important for the staff to know what your child loves. It's because once school starts, those first few days of school are not to learn anything. They are for your child to learn to want to be there essentially and want to participate in the routines. And then in order for him to learn that, those routines have to be mostly preferred things at the beginning for many students. Some students, maybe not, they may have experience in school, but if it's a student who's just starting out in a classroom, you want to just expose them to things that they love so that they learn to transition from preferred activity to preferred activity to preferred activity um, without the demand of, you know, new, new activities, new work. Uh, so we want the staff to know what they love so that they could set up that schedule for those first few days or weeks of school, just existing of preferred activities, because what we want our students to learn in those first few weeks is the routines of school that you come in, you have a cubby, you put your stuff away and you get to play Play-Doh. And then guess what? You clean up Play-Doh, but then you get to do water play. And then guess what? After water play, we get to go to the playground. So they're just starting to learn that there's a time and place for things. Those things are really fun. um, But sometimes you end one thing and you have to go to the next thing and then it'll be lunch. And then you have to clean up lunch and you have to go to the next fun activity. So we really just want our kids to learn that routine those first few weeks of school and not to be put with a lot of the or a lot of, you know, really challenging tasks that we're asking them to do. You know, we talk about an ABA, we talk about pairing ourselves with reinforcement. We're really trying to pair the individuals we work with with reinforcement in the classroom, right? So pairing that reinforcement inside the classroom so that, you know, they're running to school. School should be fun. Keep in mind, like Shira said earlier, that they're coming off an unstructured vacation time. And, you know, some kids have had two full months off of not a lot of structure. So they're coming back, you know, the very first day they shouldn't be, you know, quizzed in calculus. And probably over-exaggerating at this point in time, um, but, uh, you know, they need to be doing things that are enjoyable to them and really going, you know, this, this transition back to school isn't so bad. I also think that as an ABA professional, we need to recognize that teachers may be overwhelmed as well. So if we're getting in there a little bit earlier and having a little bit of that one-to-one time with the teachers, being able to go and say, hey, here's what, you know, this client is all about, you know, here's his strengths, here's what he can do, et cetera, then uh, it's, it's great uh, because as soon as school starts, you know, yes, you know, children are overwhelmed, but teachers are, can be overwhelmed as well. So um, it's really important to establish a routine almost right from the beginning. And it's okay to warn the teachers that those first few days, like there might be behaviors. It doesn't mean this child is behavioral. It doesn't mean that there's going to be a behavior plan. It just may mean that they're having a bit of a harder time adjusting and that's okay. We can go easy on them those first few weeks, like let them adjust go at their own pace. If there are behaviors, mark it down, give them an ABC data sheet and let's keep track of it. And that's enough. Um, But there's a difference between giving into those behaviors and going at their pace and letting them adjust. You can explain that to a teacher and what the difference is. 
Um, but we want to set our kids up for success from the beginning. So if we think that some of our kids might have a more challenging time adjusting, what I often recommend is start with a shorter day because it's better to sh- start with a shorter successful day and build up from there as they're successful versus starting with a long day, noticing that it's not working and having to like call the parents to pick them up early or things like that, which um, is not a good routine or habit to get into. So if you think that or you're anticipating some challenges, that is a good suggestion. The parents are on board, um, coming late, leaving early, any one of those um, adjustments to the schedule will really help a student transition. Many kindergarten classes already do something like that. They have shortened days, but they also alternate because there's a lot of kids coming in who've never been in school before. I'm not talking about autism or any type of spec ed class. I'm talking about just kindergarten. Lots of kids are coming in, very overwhelmed. And what teachers will do is stagger start them. So, you know, half the kids start on one day and then the other half start on the next day. And then they all get together as a group. Might be something to talk to the teacher about ahead of time in terms of can is there some type of stagger start that you could do with your client? And sometimes it's a hard transition for parents as well, which is totally fair. Like they're dropping off their kid. It could be the first time. Um, so be clear with the parents. Like what are the expectations and how can we as a team make this transition most successful? I find that sometimes it's confusing for a kid. If like sometimes the parents get to come into the classroom. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes someone picks me up from the car. Sometimes they don't. So communicate with parents as to what that expectation is, what the drop-off routine looks like. Um, If they're allowed to walk the child into the classroom, how long they're allowed to stay, maybe warning them that like, you know, a couple tiers of drop off are okay. Here's how we're dealing with it. Or here's how we're going to communicate with you how they did, Um, which brings us to the communication piece. You need to have a system of communication so that parents know what's going on during the day, but it should be something that's really manageable and doable for the teachers and the staff. And that still reassures the parents in a way that they're getting enough information, especially if they're leaving, you know, a a non-vocal child who can't tell the parents what happened at school that day. Uh, we've developed a communication log. You can actually get it with the downloads here, but we've developed a communication log for the classroom that teachers, RBTs, paraprofessionals can write in and say, you know, here's, you know, here's some really great things that happen throughout the day. You know, here's one thing that we're working on. Um, here's whatever else. Um, this is a pretty generic communication log, but it might be helpful to ask the parents what they want to know. And I've done that before too. Um, I've done a few things with communication, you know, sent a blank notebook back and forth through a Google Doc that's just blank. Uh, the problem with that is, is that then you're spending half your time writing paragraphs and that's not so nice. You know, um, if you've got something that's a little bit more structured with specific questions, then you can get the people who are writing in that communication book to really hone in on, okay, here's what I need to write or here's the specifics. Um, oftentimes, if you ask parents their goals or what they want to know about, and then you create a document that's more of a multiple choice, like, you know, I did it well, I somewhat did it, I, you know, wasn't so great today, whatever that multiple choice is, um, A, it's really quick because it's a multiple choice. It's just circle, circle, circle. Um, And B, it really satisfies parents because you're really answering what they want to know. Right. So again, at the beginning, you're really just focusing on that pairing. The only real demands you could probably put in place is a basic first then when they're both preferred activities. Um, We do have more videos on how to use pairing to build relationship with students to help you with this because you really want to focus on that relationship and that routine those first few days. Um, We also have a video on how to use ABA in classrooms to help learners with that transition back to school. Um, 
But it really is just about giving them the time, giving them the space, um, having those preferred choices and preferred activities be available those those first few days to make it as successful as possible. Can we go back to behavior plan just for a second? And, you know, we talk about behavior plan and should there be one in place right from the beginning or should it be, you know, within the first month of school or do we even need a behavior plan at all? And I think that really does depend on the learner. So if the learner has been at that school for two or three or four years, there may be a behavior plan or safety plan or whatever you want to call it in place already. And that's good to have. Um, if though, you know, the child is engaging in a few negative behaviors, more so because it's about the transition back to school. And that's really what it's all about. Like Shira mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, you fill out an ABC chart. Sure, fill it out. Let's let's get some information on this. Um, but I typically don't put in a behavior intervention plan for something like that for a learner who has no prior history of negative behavior uh, because A, it's the transition back to school. But B, I also, you know, if you're developing that relationship, you know, we're talking about pairing, if you're developing that relationship and then all of a sudden you're telling your paraprofessionals, well, take data on all the negative behavior, what are they focusing in on? They're focusing in on this kid with all this negative behavior when it really doesn't need to be there. It could be telling the paraprofessionals instead, well, focusing on all the positive behavior and see all that positive behavior instead. And sometimes that's enough and, you know, the negative behavior just disappears after a month after everybody gets used to the environment and used to each other. And if parents haven't created the one pager, or hopefully they do about an all about me, it's also nice to have a one pager more on like the behavior and skills that are like classroom related. So either from the previous teacher, or it's something you can develop over the first week or so, so that the whole team knows This is how this child communicates. This is how you should react when this happens. These are the strategies to use to prevent some challenging behavior. As quickly as you can develop that, we find it's really helpful for all staff. We post it up in the room so that everybody can do like a quick reference of what to do, you know, with with this child. It's not a behavior plan. It's really just like some strategies and tips. I've had some teachers who created an all about me about themselves. And that's really cool too. And they send it home or, you know, the first few days of school, they'll have all the kids in the classroom create an all about me. And then that goes home. And if the, you know, if the child in the classroom isn't able to create the all about me, that at least encourages parents to go, oh, okay, I can, I can do this for my kid, which is really great. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.